It is the Coach Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria. Good morning. Good morning. This is episode 10, can you believe? Um, we have absolutely smashed out the last two months. It's our second last live show for now. We will be back hopefully in the near future at some time and we'll be continuing the program uh, with many podcasted episodes available online. As we were reflecting and preparing for this week, we thought it would be a good time to reflect on community. Culture cult very much is a community as well as a cult. And so a lot of the uh, content we're sharing today relates to that theme. Maria, should we give everyone a taste of what's coming up? Yes. So we're uh, going to be talking about how to assist um, new migrants and refugees settling in Melbourne and Australia. Mm. Uh, we have an interview with the people behind the Live at the Greek series, which is at Melbourne's Greek Centre. Um and Rebecca will be recounting a community event from the weekend. Yes. So during the um, last week, Wednesday to Friday, I was over in Sydney. Our show is in Melbourne, obviously. And I went to an event called Digi Engage, which uh, looked at a lot of big themes and tackling some of the really big issues in society, such as countering, counteracting extremism, violence, and sharing things like empathy and how we can build connections across our many divides, whether that be cultural or social. So there was a lot to unpack and many lessons learned that I'd love to share with you guys. So I'll be giving you my key takeaways from Digi Engage 2019. And also we'll be featuring a discussion on how ourselves, our community, our culture cult can give back to our own respective communities, whether it's through um, volunteering in some way, participating in classes and different cultural events, and basically what is the premise of our show Culture Cult, basically. So before we jump into all the rest of it, we want to pump you up with a song. This is Milliard Darat by Dam, D-A-M. They're the first Palestinian hip-hop crew to rap in Arabic, so props to them. Let's give them a spin. This is Coach Cult on Sin. Tvoy by Papi Hans. He's from Bulgaria. He owns an advertising agency called Human Agency. What a boss. Best-selling author, not even 30. What? <sighs> yeah. That's what we're all about at Sin, young people doing cool stuff. Um, yeah, that's a really nice track. And from Bulgaria, you mentioned. From Bulgaria. Very nice, very nice sound. And before that, you heard Milia Darat by Dam, a Palestinian hip-hop group rapping in Arabic, which was really cool to hear. You're on the Culture Cult on Sin with Maria and Bex. We're talking, ref- reflecting a bit on community and how we can build um, bridges and engage our community really well. And there's lots of really practical relatively easy ways to do this and there's many ways we can participate in community. So we thought we'd talk about some of these methods now. The first major one that we had on the list was recently the ASRC, a charity, really big organisation in based in Victoria, the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. They recently had a massive telethon um, where they raised, I believe, over a million dollars just in one day. It's so generous. Wow. Australian people rock when we're generous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's obviously donating is like one really obvious um, facet in there. What else do we have? Well, you can also, with ASRC as well, you can donate your time. Mm. I know that they do um, free tours for people to learn really? different ways they can contribute. Yeah. And they feed you dinner. Um, people do a big community dinner. 
and they need if you're a professional i think in um, many different fields yeah communications like legal. legal they're always open to help so you can give your time and your skills um and another big one i've never done but i've wanted to do is conversation clubs Oh, in language classes? Yeah, they I've noticed my local library and a lot of local libraries they'll do signs where they have they call them conversation cafes or conversation exchanges where you just help people practice their English. Mm. But sometimes it also works both ways like you can learn about someone else's language and culture while helping them like set up. Yeah, and people need that opportunity like we know ourselves trying to learn extra languages, that it is, we can go to class, we can read the textbook, we can maybe listen to something online about the language, but having that face-to-face engagement and time to practice is so immensely valuable. It's everything. It's so hard. You can memorise so much, but yeah. if the words don't come to you when you're conversing. Yeah, we can spend time like learning grammar rules and memorising all that stuff, but it's Definitely immensely valuable talking face to face. So volunteering or giving your time is equally as generous as giving money. Um, yeah, sometimes we automatically think we want to donate money, but giving our time is equally as, as valuable. So that was your local library you mentioned? Local libraries. If you just look up, I think, your council libraries, I know City of Darabin does it, City of Burundara. Um, in Melbourne, the city libraries do them as mm. well. So that would probably include Carlton, just all the inner city areas. Um, but I think even if you look, if you search online, there's other initiatives too, like there's language exchanges mm. just at local like food and drink venues. Um because I'm quite keen for language swaps as well, like where you teach someone a language and they teach you back. Send us an email, coachcallradio at gmail.com and let us know how you contribute in your communities. Maybe it's through language, maybe it's through volunteering your time. We'd love to share the many ways we are giving back. Um, and what, what community means to you? Because for some people it's like a cultural identity, could be a sporting um sporting kind of club yeah. it doesn't always have to but it, but it builds our sense of identity and belonging and this is one of the things we'll talk about did you engage in a little while but having that sense of belonging and purpose is if people don't think back to this as a cause but having empathy feeling like you belong somewhere you have somewhere to be people to hang out with it is one of these massive factors in preventing these you know, terrible acts of extremism, violence, all the rest of it. So people want those universal things. Um, Up next, after the song, we're going to hear from Live at the Greek. Do you want to tease what this is about, Maria? Yeah, the Live at the Greek series is a music event series at Melbourne's Greek Centre. It's on Lonsdale Street in the Greek Hub. Uh, We were invited to visit last weekend on Friday night and we spoke with members of the band performing and the organisers of the Greek Centre. Um, it's a very sweet um, just sort of interview feature about what their Live at the Greek series is all about and their culture. This is Johan Papakonstantino. This is the Culture Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria. We're at the Greek Centre on Lonsdale Street, Melbourne, for Live at the Greek series. I'm here with my sister, Eleni. Hey, guys. Who you would have seen on the coffee episode of the Culture Cult. We're going to be absorbing some beautiful sounds from the Byros region of Greece. Uh, lots of traditional music. At the moment, the boys are just warming up with their bouzoukia and their clarina. 
and with uh, Yanni making sure all the sound checks are intact. As the mezzanine level of the Greek Centre filled up with excitable guests, I spoke with Antonia Zamis, the event manager of the Greek Centre, about what the Live at the Greek series is all about. Usually it's a fortnight event, we do it every second Friday, but this year we've decided to do it every Friday and have a break for the Greek summer. And we're just bringing people to do to listen to Greek music in our centre, just bringing the culture to the centre and people to our centre to hear our culture. Could you comment a bit on the different types of music we have every week? Every week it's a different band. Um, the first week in this season was Rebetica, then it was a band that plays all kinds of music. This week it's a Birotica, we can do Pontian, we can do every style. We're just open to everything. On this particular night, we had the Epirotico Ensemble to the stage, presenting an anthology of Greek traditional music through the regions of Epiros. The ensemble features Atha Kostarakis on clarinet, Tony Iliou on the lute, Nick Kapralos on guitar and vocals, George Kiriakidis on accordion, and John Kostarakis on percussion. We spoke to John Kostarakis, otherwise known as Yanni, about who the Epirotico Ensemble is, what kind of music they play, and why we keep playing this music after hundreds of years. The, um, the Epirotico Ensemble is made up of people that are... That are some, some people are from uh, the region of Ipiros, either one grandparent or a parent on one side. Um, um, the music that we play is not just from Ipiros, I just like to state that as well. Mm-hmm. So we, make, we do play some contemporary music um, and from all regions of Greece. So, you know, we, here in Australia we have people from Ipiros married to people from Crete and people from Crete married to people from Thessaloniki and so forth. So, um, when people uh, come together in a symposium, Segledi, you have to cater for all these people. We asked John what made the music of Ibiro special, and his face lit up as he had a wealth of information to share. The region of Ibiro is what's distinct. Well, it uses a pentatonic scale, much like a blues scale that we come across in, in the blues in America, um, pentatonic scale. It has a lot of um, singing um, in drones, just like the Byzantine chanting, which is very, it, it, very rare. Like if you if you travel through the Peloponnese, there's a singer, uh, but um, accompanied by musicians. Um, same as um, in the northern part of Greece, you find that there's a lot of uh, rhythmic rhythmic songs, uh, simple melodies, but more rhythms in Macedonian Thrace and less singing. Uh, in Epirus, you find that uh, they have um, groups of people singing. So we have uh, drones. Uh, uh, doing various um, uh, uh, voices and and really you don't actually need the instruments in many of the songs. And um, uh, that's that's the distinct part of Ipiros. Um Apart from the fact, the other distinct thing is uh, uh, that um, uh, it. it uh, Every region of Greece, whether it be indoors or outdoors, if they played music, uh, obviously indoor uh, instruments would be uh, instruments that wouldn't be as loud, um, and outdoors they would be loud, obviously, because amplification 200 years ago didn't exist. So therefore, they needed uh, instruments that were a lot louder, um, uh, and such 
they had uh, such they had a lot of drums uh, to play the rhythm. The drum of Ipirus is called a defi, which is much like a tambourine. I'm shaking it now, but it's also got a. So it's basically a drum with um, with um, coins um, embedded in the instrument, in the wood part of the instrument, um, and that's called the defi. So that's if you see a band that has a clarinet, it's not distinct to Ipirus, but if you see a defi, it's distinct to Ipirus. So that's yeah. that's part of the distinction we make. Some someone will say Afine Pirodi Georgistra because whereas in Metsovo, which is classed as Ipirots on the border, um, they play Dauli mm-hmm. with the same instruments with a lute, violin, clarinet, but they play Dauli there instead of a defi or a tobeleki. So those are the two main distinct things. Most important thing to us is tradition. It is the most important thing. I think anyone listening to this will, will understand what I'm saying. We don't like to change either, mm-hmm. and that uh, that's unfortunate sometimes in our political arena and our economics in Greece. But we don't like to change. Why? Why fix it if it isn't broken? So um, we do like to pass down uh, what our forefathers sang like, the songs they sang, the stories they told. It does tell us, you know, who we are. Um, if you look back into your history, um, you could Im- definitely improve your future. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a, it's a philosophy of Greeks that we 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 commemorate the past and our forefathers, and we we like to we're, we're purists, um, um, and we like to play the music with purity. We see now in Greece some people like even though they're the young young people, they they're still putting in a zurna or a clarinet, a violin, dimutika. Shimata in in a band that's got synthesizers and and drum kits and, and whatnot, electric guitars, and that's a that's a cultural element that's very hard to take out of the Greek person. Do you have a favorite song or a favorite style of song, uh, um, performance-wise, that you like? Oh uh, well, look, the Pirotica, my favorite, which is the Pogonisia, which is from Pogonisia I means the the songs from Pogoni, which is the northern part of. Um, Ipiros, mm-hmm. uh, south of Albania. Um, you know, and other music as well. Like, if I got up to dance, it would be Atamiko, Zebegiko, and Apogonisha. They're the dances that express me, and that's my influence from my parents, I suppose. While Greek music and dance traditions hold a lot of personal significance for many people in the community as a means of expression and commemorating our history and culture, when asked about the goal of the Live at the Greek series, event manager Antonia did illustrate that sharing is an important part of it and it's a very open affair where everyone is welcome. It's family orientated, but we're open to having everyone here. We don't care about what, where you're from. We just want to introduce our culture as far as we can. from the Culture Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria. A big thank you to the Greek Centre for inviting us to experience one of their events, part of the Live at the Greek series, and Antonia Tsamis and John Kostarakis for their time. If you'd like to attend any of the Live at the Greek events, they play at the Greek Centre on Friday nights in the mezzanine level. 
To get in touch with The Culture Cult, visit our Facebook page, Culture Cult on Sin, or Instagram, Culture Cult underscore Sin, or send us an email on culturecultradio at gmail.com. You're listening to The Culture Cult on Sin. The Culture Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria. This was Ya by Vespina Van Z, an iconic song in Greece and in some ways the world. Uh, I don't know if, if you recognize it. It peaked uh, very heavily around the world in sort of the early 2000s, 2003, 2004. Uh, it fuses together uh, Arabic drums, Greek modern laika, mm. Eurodance influenced beats, and it was actually the first foreign language dance recording to top the Billboard Hot Dance Airplay chart in 2004, like with the foreign language. So well done to Vespina Van Z, um, big legend in the Greek pop music world. And this was just, I think, one of her one of her many um, talents. Bit of a throwback. Nice to go back in time a little bit on our show. And definitely a lot of those influences, you can hear them blending all together with the drums and the Eurodance beats. I love that as a genre. That's like a merge. Eurodance and Europop. You are on the Culture Cult on Sin, and we're taking a bit of time on our second last live show for now to reflect on community and what that means to us. During the week, I had the pleasure of going to Sydney to participate in Digi Engage. So Digi is just the name of the organisation. So they're a non-profit, non-government organisation that basically aims to make the internet a more productive and peaceful place because at times, at the best of times, it certainly is not, unfortunately. So they teamed up with many partners, many of the social media um, big techs and with young people like ourselves who are really trying to make a change in the community in our own ways, very different ways. I met with a lot of people who were creatives, so doing things like ourselves, making podcasts, making art, making music, and also people who are working for government in policy, making change in that legislative way, um, which was a different perspective on it. And, yeah, it was basically like a really great experience I said to Maria, I met a lot of like-minded nerds, basically. It It sounds like it. Nerds in the most positive, affectionate way. Just people who are so enthused, so engaged, just really want to activate, mobilise and make change. Were there students or was it people that are later in their career? Yes. So there was definitely a mix. Um, All the participants were under 26, I believe. And the criteria was to attend that you basically had to be working in one of many one or more of many different fields, such as combating racism, advocating for diversity, working with people with disabilities, things like that. Um, There was about 10 different boxes that you could have ticked when you were applying. Uh, So definitely a lot of students, younger people in the age bracket. But in terms of panellists, people running workshops, slightly older, especially when it got to um, government representatives, and people who work for places like Facebook, Google, YouTube. So that's actually their job um, to run kind of the infrastructure, if you like, behind these places. That's so cool, though. Like, especially for a big company like Facebook getting involved with such a good cause, especially when it involves using the internet productively. <laughs> yeah. But then at the same time, yeah, it's it's a big source of people's unproductivity. Yeah, and it it was weird for me to see the faces behind places like Facebook, YouTube. We know of content creators, certainly, but who are the people actually running it? So this was one of the questions we touched on and I put to 
such people? How are the community standards, so-called community standards, determined by these respective organisations? And I think one thing to emerge out of that was community standards always need to evolve and change in response to society. Mm -hmm. Because if we look back at history, things that were once considered tolerable and acceptable, certainly 30, 50 years later, are not. Um, So society does change its way of thinking, even if we just look back on history. Recently, her... um, you know, it was the, the Pride marches over the weekend and that was 50 years of big protests that actually made that change, which I was previously ignorantly unaware of. We just think of it now as this big party where everyone gets together and celebrates themselves, their friends um, and their community, of course. But we're, yeah, commemorating a lot of good work done in the past. It's another reason why community is important. Mm. Yeah, and something that I took away was it's actually really important to speak. Sometimes we think... We're a bit overwhelmed by the social media presence where we are getting attacked or even if we're not getting attacked, there's just unpleasantries exchanged or we don't feel like we can tap through someone else's way of thinking when they are so contrasting to what we want to say. But if we don't say anything or if we don't engage, we don't react. Indifference is is, is really big in action. It doesn't actually progress anything. So something I took away was I'm going to be braver and actually react respond, not necessarily, certainly not attack anyone else, but try and tap through that really um, solid state of thinking. It's so good. Yeah. It's a very good goal. I think it's very important to open up yourself um, and open up conversations because mm. that's so true. If you're indifferent or even just not being active, you never know. Like People, ch- people do change their minds. People um, grow. It's a very important thing and a very good message for all of our listeners. Uh, you're on the Culture Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria. We're here every Tuesday morning. Um, this is our second last live show. For now. <laughs> so one of the, probably the most amazing examples that stood out to me, how's this for a first first panellist, first speaker of the day, was a man named Arno Michaelis, or Michaelis, sorry, and Arno was former... Um, this is his own description, former white, pres- former white supremacist, neo-Nazi. He was once a man full of hate, disgust. I think if I was born 20, 30 years ago, we would not have found ourselves in the same room as one another. He um, didn't like anyone that was basically different to himself. That's so nuts. I also just can't believe when you yes. shared, I was yes. not expecting the word former to be followed up with neo-Nazi. Yeah, you know, you were thinking like former teacher, former broadcaster, former someone, but no. Um, so he was the first speaker of the day and I was very fortunate. A man so generous with his time. We actually got to, you know, walk around Sydney for a little bit after the conference and just have a bit of a casual chat. We got to take a selfie together. He asked for a selfie and now he spends his time which is so fantastic to hear, basically counteracting everything that he'd worked so hard for in his youth, thank goodness. So one of the quotes that stood out, obviously he goes out to communities, schools around America, around the world, um, spreading this message that we need to share and, you know, basically be nicer to one another, was a quote that hurt people hurt people. So if you've been hurt, if you've been attacked, you don't necessarily respond to that with kindness, with empathy. And he said that he had this moment where a girl about 11, 12 years old said in one of his classes, well, actually, not every hurt person goes on to hurt another. Um, So he's continually being challenged on that. So 
his premise was that basically everyone's been hurt at some point. And often people, when they are hurt, like we said, they're looking for that belonging. They respond to it in negative ways because they're just looking for, you know, a space to belong and you know, share themselves. That's such an important insight too to remember um, when we're going about our day-to-day lives. Even at work, there's rude, if you're working in customer service Mm. um, or classrooms, like you're going to get rude people, you're going to get impatient people. But to remember that these negative reactions and emotions stem from being hurt uh, is a great way to open our empathy. He's a really interesting man. Um, He's you know, published a lot of stuff and spoken a lot. So there's much, a lot of stuff on him online. I know Michaelis. He said also that when he was so hate-fueled and really in the peak of it and going out and attacking people, oh whether it was physically or through speech, he actually noticed that these people that he claimed to hate, whether it was gay people, queer people, people of colour, whatever it was, that they were the ones responding to him with kindness, with empathy, even when he absolutely did not deserve that. So that um, was a part of it, I think, breaking down that thinking and that ideology. So, yeah, extremism comes in all forms, whether it's positive or negative. It's not always like a religious thing. It can be really just your way of thinking. And I guess it would depend on where you grow up and who you're surrounded with too. If that's all you know, then it must be extremely hard to break out of. So the commonalities were that everyone's trying to feel belonging and acceptance and purpose. This can be answered in negative or positive ways. It was what the inspiring thing for me was, was if someone this extreme and this horrible basically could change, that was really a hopeful message. There is good in the world. Thank goodness. Not everyone is evil. (laughs) There was a quote or an insight from Dr. Joshua Roos, a PhD doctorate from ACU University in Melbourne, who was also a speaker, and he said that there is an anger that comes from not belonging, and a validation comes from provoking others, and something that he emphasised we need to steer against, and indeed the panellists and many academics, many community workers said we need to steer against, is this idea that, you know, people who are extremists, whatever, that they're mentally unwell. Mental illness is not... um, the sole cause of extremism. Mm -hmm. So it's everyday actions that can actually build it. There was another intervention strategy that was in Birmingham in the UK where one of the interventions was actually getting people together, young people who were very contrasting, were very opposites in their thinking, their beliefs. So on the streets they might be against each other, where the incentive was if they came to this community centre to just share their thoughts, share their opinions, they could receive two, three hours of Xbox PlayStation time. Hey, nice incentive. Yes, yeah, yeah. So something so simple. It wasn't money. It wasn't, um, you know, anything really glamorous. And it's non-aggressive. It's not like you're inviting two people to battle it out. Yeah. (laughs) Battle it out in a a match. It's just sharing. Share your thoughts. Other strategies were things like making sport teams. Um, So giving that people that have routine, they've got to be somewhere, they've got to be training, people are relying on them, and it's a positive activity. So, yeah, these these big topics that we talk about when we talk about extremism, violence, radicalism, they're really big, confronting words, but they can be really counteracted with simple, accessible um, strategies, which was really um, surprising for me. It's a beautiful take-home message, and I think something all of us can... All of us can uh, resonate with. 
Let's um, play a song by Alfresh the Lion. Just want to flex that I did go to the Facebook headquarters <laughs> and I loved, um, you know, flaunting that on social media. But one of the really cool things was Alfresh the Lion, a rapper, hip-hop artist from the southwest of Sydney, has released a new track, Alchemy, and he performed this in front of us at the event, which was really cool to see. It's a song about, you know, being proud about where you're from, uh, not forgetting your roots, no matter how complicated that space might be. So this is Alfresh the Lion with Alchemy, and you're on the Coach Cult on Sin. Coach Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria. That was Zora J by Krajno. Um, beautiful song released very recently. Uh, recommend looking them up. Um, Krajno hasn't released that many songs, and that was sung in uh, the Serbo-Croatian language. Uh, good energetic track. Beautiful. And up the top there you heard Alchemy by Alfresh the Lion, an, an artist from southwest uh, Sydney who was really repping his hometown there. We've been reflecting on community, the ways we can help our community and how we can give back and also how we can um, build empathy and build cross-cultural connections or just connections in general. There was one gentleman I was Really happy to meet at Digi Engage. His name is Nadir, and he goes on YouTube by Benny. All caps. All caps. Beautiful man. Beautiful stemming videos. from some Arabic poetry, Benny Adam, Children of Adam, and just reminding us that we're all children of somewhere. So that was a really beautiful, beautiful meaning behind the name. So he's not a YouTuber per se, but he gained a lot of attention a little while back for a remake of Happy by Pharrell. You know that really catchy song? Yeah. So it was meant to kind of um, engage everyone, but of course it gained some backlash by his own community and the media as well, which is a really interesting backstory. I think I'm not sure the exact reasoning behind it, but I guess not everyone agrees with, yeah, we're all happy. There is stuff mm-hmm. to be annoyed about too. So he followed that up with a video, the A to Z of Benny, where he went around to people in his community, some well-known people as well, and asked them, how do you want to be defined? How do you want to be remembered? That's a big question. Massive question. Yeah. Especially on the spot. Yeah, I know. And, you know, to build all those like 26 letters as well. So he said that he really had to, never mind the technical stuff, the camera work, the audio, the media making side of it, he really had to work out being, um, like, you know, the social skills involved in as well, making people feel like they can trust you with their story and where they've come from. So um, I think his, his content is really positive. Uh, one thing he mentioned was on stage that stuck out for me was, I wish one day I could be sit- sitting here and... Not just talking about representation, not just talking about cultural diversity. I wish that I could use my position just to kind of one day make silly videos about eating marshmallows or whatever it is on YouTube. Oh, bless. <laughs> so one one of his quotes was, of course, we can all relate to this. People find it hard to define themselves, understandably, and we often get labelled um, with binaries, you're this, you're that. So his quote was, if you don't let someone, if you don't define yourself someone else will. Mm-hmm. So, huge. yeah, really simple but really meaningful there. And the binaries are diversive. They don't actually bring anyone together. They don't actually go about achieving anything. We just get separated. The classic us and them. Yeah, us versus us them. Us and them dichotomy. You're with us. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're with us or you're against us. I definitely want to explore this perhaps where I have more time 
in a podcast. Um, hopefully bring back one of those guests. If you've got something to say about this too, please send us an email, culturecultradio at gmail.com. Bex, if people want to um, get involved with Digi Engage next year, where mm. can they find that info? Yeah, so it was just literally a website, Digi Engage. I'm not sure when applications open, but if you're a young change maker out there and you want to have your say and you want to meet people who can um, build your message and create this kind of ripple effect that we talk about, definitely one of the ways to get involved is this awesome conference. I hope to be back next year um, to it as well. So we'll leave leave you on an upbeat song today. Um, our last pick was Maria's, I believe. We'll go out on a fun one. One of the ones maybe we've played before. Mm-hmm. This is The Culture Cult on Sin with Bex and Maria and you can catch our podcast um, on all the streaming platforms and you can always find us on Facebook at Culture Cult Sin. <laughs>